The scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, the first chapter beginning with verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. In 1969, I was in sixth grade, and that was the year that we did the moon landing. And there was a lot of attention and interest in the NASA space program at the time. And a young man that was in the neighborhood for, uh, with me, not a real close friend, but someone I knew as an acquaintance, got really into the NASA program and started building rockets and studying up on it. And it was his goal and dream in life to become um, a NASA astronaut, all because of the excitement around the moon landing. Well, these are the qualifications it takes to become a NASA astronaut today. I'll just read you. This is just to apply just to apply. You have to be a U.S. citizen, ages 26 to 46, master's degree or PhD in some sort of math, science, or engineering, a thousand hours of piloting, piloting a jet aircraft, a minimum of two years experience in some science profession, two years teaching experience in a math, science, or engineering profession. You have to be able to pass what's called the long-duration astronaut physical, and that has its own set of requirements physically that are out of this world. Number seven, out of this world. <laughs> uh, your vision must be correctable to exactly a 2020, and you must meet what, it, what they call the anthropometric requirements in order to fit into a NASA spacesuit. So in 2020, they opened up um, an invitation to, uh, NASA did, to try to have people apply for, for this. And there were 12,000 applicants. And out of that, they have selected 10. And they've been training now for four years for a future mission. And some of them will be weeded out. They'll probably get it down to about four individuals. Talk about tight requirements. No wonder they often say you have to have the right stuff. There are some positions or things that we can try to do or accomplish in life, some goals we may have, that have such extremely tight requirements that it's almost impossible to try for. There's probably not a single person in this room that could fit into any of these requirements here. It's so far beyond us that we couldn't even consider it. So what about heaven? And what about, what about getting into heaven? The Bible requires that you be a perfect individual, an absolute saint. Listen to what God says. This is one of the first Bible passages I learned as a child. You shall be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
Even in the text in front of us, Paul says, walk worthy of the Lord, fully, fully pleasing him, not partially, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, not just some, every good work. Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. James writes, whosoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So the qualifications to get into heaven are so extremely tight that Jesus' disciples once said to him, well, who then can be saved? It's ridiculous to how we look at this and think. It would seem ridiculous that anybody could ever have any hope of going to heaven. Just think about your own life. Think about your own record and your own conscience, the things that maybe nobody else knows about you. That to think that we could ever qualify somehow by the standards God lays down based on his law for us to get into heaven. But notice in our text that St. Paul speaks about God being the one who does the qualifying. He is the qualifier for us. He says, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Notice he doesn't say he will qualify you. He has. It's done. He has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Those believers that are already in heaven enjoying their sainthood fully in heaven, you have already now as a Christian been qualified to be in that group. The word here for qualified, ekonoo, is a Greek word that's very, uh, very interesting. It means to, to make something sufficient for a particular position, to, to authorize something. Now think of it, God is the one who has to do the authorizing for any soul to come into heaven. And Paul is saying to the believers here, he has done that already for you. Just in your baptism, in the faith he's worked in your heart, he has already, right now, qualified you to be in that group that's enjoying heaven right now. And notice all the different words that he uses. He says, you've been delivered from darkness, you've been qualified for this inheritance, conveyed, the word sometimes is, trans is translated to be transferred into the kingdom of his son. But notice the acting the acting individual, the agent in this that does the work is always God. It's never like left to you or partially up to you. It's always on God's side where the work is being done. And he comes and makes no demands on you. He doesn't put any demands on you in order to qualify you to be one of his saints. He handles it all, and he has handled it all. And I love as you read through the Bible how consistently we see this in the Bible. How consistent the Holy Spirit is that whenever he talks about something it takes for you or me to get to heaven someday, he always puts it in God's working. It's always on God's side of the equation and never on you and me. And how comforting that is. Remember the story where Jesus sent the disciples out in their boats and had this miraculous great catch of fishes and it, the boat started to sink and witnessing this obvious miracle, Peter, one of his disciples, comes up to Jesus probably at the beach there and just says, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He was basically saying, I am not qualified 
to be one of your disciples. I'm not qualified to be counted among somebody that would follow a great God that could do a miracle like this. But what does Jesus do? He lets his confession stand, but he pulls him closer. He grabs him and he says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you in my kingdom. I'm going to use you to spread this wonderful truth that the way people get qualified before God is by God doing it for them. How wonderful it is there that he pulls him closer and then he takes him and sends him out to do work in his kingdom. So God already right now sees you as a believer in Christ, sees you as his perfect and holy saint. That's a given. The only doubt or the only question about it is in your mind, not in the mind and heart of God. And he calls on you and me through his word consistently not to question this, not to have doubts about this. He doesn't talk to you ever about heaven like a possibility, like there's a, there's a possible shot at this for you. That's not how God talks to us in scripture about getting to heaven. It's a sure thing. The author of Hebrews says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, not whimpering like I hope maybe possibly. No, with confidence. God's accomplished it all through the work of his son already by his payment for all of your sins on the cross, redeeming you back to God. He's already done the work. He's already risen from the dead to defeat death for you. God says, this is all yours now by faith, and I see you as my holy child. And isn't it interesting that the the very one who controls the door to heaven is the one who has qualified you and calls on you to know this. He's the one who sent his son and also his Holy Spirit into the world to work for you. All three persons of the Trinity, the full God, the full triune God is at work to make sure that you get to come to heaven. So here's the question I need to ask myself. How can I walk in my life worthy of this tremendous status God has already given me and the future that I have waiting for me? What are things in my life that I can do and look at right now where I, need to, where I need to better reflect this status that God has given me of being his saint and of being a child of heaven? That friend of mine that was so into NASA, I didn't know about him for many, many years, many decades. And uh, he never qualified to uh, make it into the program, not even close. In fact, I found out later, we're not sure if he even graduated high school. He fell into a life of drugs and alcohol. He destroyed his health. I remember seeing him uh, many, many years later. He ended up in a state hospital for drug addiction. I finally saw him and talked to him again when he was in his 50s, and I hardly recognized him. His body was in, looked like an 80-year-old man. But I also know that he was visited by pastors. And he died uh, not too many years ago and was told that he died confessing Christ as his Savior. How wonderful that God qualified him for something far greater and far beyond the moon. And that same gracious, loving God has done that for you and me as well. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Grant us grace to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those unspeakable joys which you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.